0: You're listening to audio from Highland Baptist Church in Waco, Texas. To find out more about Highland, go to www.hbcwaco.org. Well, good morning, 10 o'clock chapel and 10 o'clock online and 10 o'clock live and in-person Life Center folks today as well. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. And his mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness to us, oh God. About 48% of Americans felt like they lost this week. 52% of Texans, 61% of Wacoans. No matter what you think about the election. Elated over the results, deflated over the results, apathetic over the results. I think we can agree on one thing. We are living in a divided, polarized nation with two very different agendas. And the last thing our nation needs, the last thing this city needs is a church that is splintered and distracted. The, the Democratic Party is a temporary organization Joe Biden is a temporary man the Republican Party is a temporary organization Donald Trump is a temporary man the kingdom of God is an eternal organization and Jesus Christ is our eternal Savior so if you're candidate one don't be over encouraged he's just a man if you're candidate lost don't be over despaired he's just a man The kingdom of God this week was not shaken at all. So Habakkuk's a pretty good place to be because really come January 20th, 2021, Inauguration Day, the world's still going to be crazy. So let's go to Habakkuk chapter 3 together and see what God says to us. Habakkuk chapter 3, let's wrap up this sermon series, let's wrap up this book, let's wrap up this chapter, and let's see what God says says to us today. What interesting times we live in. Habakkuk chapter 3, just these last three verses, it ends with, man, so much power, so many good, timely words for us today. Hope you have your copy of God's Word. Habakkuk, Old Testament, five books from the end of the Old Testament, right in between Nahum and Zephaniah. Find it if you have your Bible, find it if you have your smartphone, and we'll we'll be there together for the entirety of this morning. Habakkuk chapter 3, verse 17 Though the fig tree should not blossom, nor fruit be on the vines, the produce of the olive fail, and the fields yield no food, the flock be cut off from the fold, and there be no herd in the stalls. Let's stop. Those are six things. Figs, fruit on the vine, olives, fields, sheep, because Habakkuk is talking about sheep in the the fold and the flock and herds. That's about as Jewish as you can get right there. That that is Israel in in one sentence. Figs, fruit, olives, fields, sheep, herds. It it would be like an American writing a a statement about about baseball and Ford trucks. And and, amen over here. (laughs) Yeah, that's what we need is a divided church between Ford and Chevy people today. This should be great. Ford trucks, mama's apple pie, Friday night football, pets that wear sweaters and buckies. Like that would be, you know, people from outside of these parts would go, what are you talking about? It's kind of the same thing when we look at these six things, but but a Jewish person, not just in the old testament, not just in the New Testament. But you could travel outside of Tel Aviv today and talk about these six things. And the Jewish people today would completely understand the importance of these six things. And so a a Jewish person would read this and would identify with all six of these. And then realize, wait a minute, you're saying that all six of these things could be lost? Would be failing, would be cut off or gone? That would be devastating. to to me, to my family, to to my tribe, to my nation, to my people. Let's look at these for just a moment, but let's look at them very carefully. Here's, Here's the first thing. Habakkuk says, even if the fig tree should not blossom, the fig tree represented Israel. In the Old Testament and New Testament alike, when when God was describing the promised land to his people, he talked about it being a a land with with figs and with pomegranate flowing with milk and honey. Some of you are studying the book of Hosea on Thursday nights. Our our men and and women are studying on Thursday night. Hundreds of men men and women are are studying Hosea on Thursday night. And you might remember in Hosea chapter 9 that Hosea calls Israel the, the growing fig tree. When Jesus was, was preaching in, in, Ma- in Mark chapter 11, in Matthew chapter 24, he references Israel, the, the people of Israel as being like a, a fig tree. And so when Habakkuk says here that even if the fig tree does not blossom, he's talking about his own nation, his own people. But when he says here it would not blossom, that means it was not gonna flourish, it was not gonna grow, it was not gonna bear fruit, it was not gonna be alive. And for you note takers, here's what he's saying, even if there's a loss of a nation, Even if my entire nation no longer exists. Then the next phrase he uses, no fruit on the vine. Now, the fruit of the vine was was the grapes, and the grapes made the wine. And so the fruit of the vine in the Old Testament always speaks of joy. It speaks of celebration. It speaks of of, of new birth. It speaks of the celebration of new life. It it speaks of the celebration of, of events and of prosperity, and so When Habakkuk writes this phrase, he's talking about this loss, the loss of joy, the loss of celebrations. He talks about the produce of of the olive, if if it fails. Now, the olive was necessary to daily life to the Jews. Um, Even today, if you go to Israel, the the olive tree, the the olives, they're just a part of of daily life. And in, in the time of the Old Testament, it was used for cooking. It was used for soap. It was used for oil in the lamp. It was used for religious gatherings. It was used to put on your skin. Olive oil was used in, in medicine. It was something they needed every day. And Habakkuk says here, what about even if the, the olive produces, if it fails to produce anymore? He's speaking of really a loss of, of daily patterns. I mean, for us, that's just the, the daily things that we just think are going to happen. The daily things that we exercise every day, just our, our daily rhythms of life. And Habakkuk says here, this is like the the loss of a nation, the loss of of joy and celebrations, the loss of daily patterns. Then he says, what about the fields that yield no food? I mean, the, the Jewish farmer was just like the American farmer. They would plant with expectation that the harvest would grow there would be a day to to gather in the harvest for the Jews it was wheat and barley primarily that they would plant into the field they would plant those seeds in the field and they were vital the wheat and barley were vital to their daily diet there was an expectation that they would they would grow and they would be harvested Habakkuk says here what if there is no yielding of that crop and so what he's talking about here is a loss of what is expected You know, the classic definition of of disappointment is when reality does not meet your expectations people are disappointed. Think about the expectations that you have for this week. Think about the expectations you have of, of one another, of, of your family, the expectations you have in life. Some of you, as I'm looking at kind of a, a younger congregation, some of you have expectations perhaps of, of being married one day, an expectation of, of having kids. Maybe I should rewind. First of all, an expectation of graduation, then an expectation maybe of, of marriage and, and of kids. And all of us have expectations in life and of life and of ourselves and other people. And really, we even have expectations of God. He is saying here, what what if we just lost all that was expected? He talks about the the flock being cut off from the fold. This really is speaking of of separation. The sheep, and you know this, New Testament, Old Testament, even today, the sheep are the people of God, the people who belong to God. God is our shepherd. We are the sheep in that equation. The the fold are the sheep that are in the pen, the flock are the sheep that are out in the open field. It's so what Habakkuk is talking about here is those sheep being cut off from one another. There is, if you will, a loss of relationship, or maybe even a loss of of, of a friend. It's a loss of community, it's a loss of connectivity that the Habakkuk is talking about. Even if these things were to happen, a loss of a nation, the loss of joy, the loss of daily patterns, the, the loss of what is expected, the loss of relationship or community. And then he says, and even no herd in the stalls. Now, in America, we tie our wealth to our checking account or to our savings accounts. We, we tie our wealth to our portfolio or to our retirement or to our, to our mutual funds. That's kind of how we define wealth here in America. In, in the Old Testament, you defined wealth by how many animals you had. That's what it says in Genesis chapter 13, verse 2. I love this phrase. Abraham was rich in cows probably not a phrase that we would use around these parts you know rich in cows when you come to the book of, of job and job is being described this is in job i think chapter 3 verse 1 it says and job had 7000 sheep 3000 camels 500 oxen and 500 donkeys job had 500 donkeys that's a really funny phrase to read in the King James Version by the way We had 500, 500 donkeys some of y'all that will sink in in about 5 minutes or so this was, this was the, the financial security so if you will it's a loss of financial security just consider these things with me I know you see it on the screen But a loss of an entire nation, the loss of joy, the loss of celebrations, even if there's a loss of of daily patterns, the loss of all the things that I expect to come true, the loss of relationships or friendships or community or connectivity, the loss of financial security, you get to the end of those six phrases... And you assume the end result is Habakkuk, just he wants to stay in bed with the covers over his head and pop some antidepressants. That life is going to be so miserable for him, he's just going to give up and surrender, and that there'll never be good things in his life again. But then you come to verse 18. Yet, I will rejoice in the Lord, I will take joy in the God of my salvation. I went to 11 translations this week and all 11 of them began with, those, with that same short word. It's just three letters, yet. And I would submit to you that the word yet is the most operative word in all of chapter three. Everything hinges on that very first word, a short little word, it's a tiny word packed with a, with a punch, packed with a lot of power. Everything hinges on that word, yet. Even with all these things going on, all these potential things going on around Habakkuk, and by the way, this would be a great time to tell you all six of those things happened. Habakkuk did lose his nation, lost his financial security, lost family, lost friendships. Israel was, was split up. It was splintered. It was brought into captivity. There was a loss of what is expected a loss of their daily patterns there's a loss of joy all those things did happen and I think Habakkuk probably knew at this point you can tell earlier in chapter 3 that he knew that the judgment of God was going to come through the Chaldeans and all these things would happen yet he lands in a place where he says yet I've got three things to tell you about verse 17 and verse 18 here's the first thing God's character is not altered by a nation's condition God doesn't change by the circumstances of a nation. Let me just tell you, four years ago, in 2016, when he had an election, there was no change in the character of God. This past week, no change in the character of God. Four more years from now, no change in the character of God. God's love is not diminished when times are tough. God's grace is not lessened when you lose. God's promises aren't cheapened when things don't go your way, God's presence never moves away from you even one inch when you experience loss in your life. You see, God's character is not altered by the condition of a nation, the condition of a city, or the condition or the situations of your own heart. Two declarative statements that happen right here in verse 18. In the middle of his losses... Two determinations that Habakkuk makes in the middle of all the changes going on around them, I think you saw it, look back in verse 18 here's the first declarative statement I will rejoice it does not matter what is happening around me, what's happening in, in, with my family, what's happening in the, the circumstances, what's happening in the nation I will rejoice now this is a really interesting choice of a Hebrew word right here the, the word is halaz and halaz Means to jump up and down in triumph. So, just if you will, picture an old prophet who's about to have his country taken away from him, but he's made a choice. I'm going to jump up and down in triumph. I will rejoice. That that word's only used 15 times in all the Old Testament, it's rarely used. But then here's the next declarative statement the statement of determination I will take joy. This word in Hebrew is used a little bit more often. It's the word gil. And if you have a three-year-old daughter who loves to wear a dress, you know what this word means. To spin around in delight. So again, maybe this isn't as pretty of a picture as a three-year-old girl. Here's an old prophet in his tunic. Say, I'm going to jump up and down. I'm going to spin around in delight. Even though all these things are happening around me, God's character has not changed. But there's a preposition used that is so determinative in both of those declarations. It's the short little English word. It's amazing. Yet, packed a lot of punch. And now this word, in, packs a lot of punch as well. Did you see this? I will rejoice in the Lord. I will take joy in the God of my rescue, the God of my salvation. You see, joy is never found in circumstances. Joy is always found in the Lord. If Habakkuk was rejoicing in these things, we would call him deranged. He's finding joy in God. Habakkuk, if you hear nothing else this morning, hear this. Habakkuk rejoices in relationship with God. He says, God, I don't care if all of nature goes crazy, which is kind of what's happening in verse 17. I don't care if nothing is right in the entire world. I am going to love you. I am going to worship you. I am going to rejoice in you. I'm going to stand back and look at all these circumstances around me. And then I'm going to say, blessed be me because I know God. You are the God that I know, and in that there is joy. Here's the second thing. Be perplexed by the problems around you, but don't be perplexed about your relationship with God. It's okay to be perplexed or troubled or concerned or confused about all the problems around us in this life, but don't be perplexed in your relationship with God. Did you catch it? Habakkuk enumerates the six things in verse 17. He knows all the things that are going on around him. He understands there's going to be loss in his life. And yet he keeps coming back to, I will rejoice in the Lord. I will take joy in the God of my salvation. You see, his circumstances probably caused him to shake. But his relationship with God was unshakable. This is our aim, Highland. No matter what happens around us. There have been some things. There are some things. There will be some things that shake this nation, shake this church, and shake your life. But your relationship with God cannot be shaken. I think one of the great pragmatic things we can learn from the book of of Habakkuk is it's okay not to be okay. Habakkuk was not okay with what was was happening around him. He, He was not inviting the chaos to come. And sometimes there are things in life that are just simply problematic and we don't know our way out of them. We don't know how to cope with those problems. But Christ followers, that doesn't touch our relationship with God. Let me rephrase that. That should not touch our relationship with God. So Habakkuk, right before our very eyes, I think right here in verse 18, right before our very eyes begins to grow in this beautiful trust in God. God. He begins to grow in this implicit belief that God is faithful. He begins to grow in his understanding and his belief and his knowledge that he is a faithful God. He knows exactly the kind of God he's following, the kind of God he is loving, the kind of God he is worshiping. Here's the third thing. We love to get rid of our problems. God loves for us to be in his presence. I submit to you, family, that the great American pastime is trying to get rid of problems. Think how much money we spend, how much time we spend on things that irritate us to get rid of those things that irritate us, to move away from our problems. Here's what God loves, though He loves for us just to be in relationship, in right relationship with Him in, in His presence. One of the greatest purposes of problems is to force us into His presence. That has been my prayer for our nation. That is my prayer for our nation this week. That is my prayer for our nation in the days ahead. That we, the people of God and the people who are not of God, would be forced into the presence of God. You see, the purpose of cancer, of a candidate losing, the purpose of heartache or sickness or a pandemic, the purpose of a wayward son or a wayward daughter, The purpose of a breakup or a funeral or a world gone crazy is that it forces us into the presence of God. We want to get rid of all the turmoil. God invites us in, into his presence, his grace-filled, mercy-packed, hope-loaded, Arms around you. Presence. Habakkuk 319. God the Lord is my strength. He makes my feet like the deers. Which is just a funny word to say. Because of our English language. Deer apostrophe S. Possessive of a deer. He makes my feet like the deers. He makes me tread on my high places. And then he reminds the choir leader make sure you sing this song with a guitar God the Lord is my strength strength in Hebrew is the same word here for the word army so I just put my notes this week God is my army sufficient and strong his strength in me allows me to run like a deer. Here, here's the picture that, that, that we're seeing. And some of y'all who, who live in, in parts of our nation or parts of the world where you have seen deer or gazelle, and really this is the Hebrew word for gazelle, would, would run with such with such grace. This is what Habakkuk is saying here. God, your strength in me lets me run like a gazelle. Let's me run like a deer so we can live life with confidence. We can live life with grace, just like a deer running. God helps us over the difficulties. God helps us over all the obstacles and oppositions that we meet in life. And He makes me tread on my high places. This is a great passage for this week. God helps me live above everything that's below. He helps me to live in freedom. He helps me to live in restraint without all the hurts and the sadness the turmoil, the crazy is probably the New Testament or the Old Testament equivalent of the New Testament picture in the book of Colossians that we have been seated in heavenly places with Christ. We've been raised up with Christ as our hope. Though the fig tree should not blossom nor fruit be on the vines the produce of the olive fail and the fields yield no food, the flock be cut off from the fold and there be no herd in the stalls yet I will rejoice in the Lord I will take joy in the God of my salvation God the Lord is my strength he makes my feet like the deers he makes me tread on my high places would you stand with me please and let's pray together God, you never change. You work in turmoil. Problems and and pain and crazy. God, we spend so much time trying to get away from those things. And yet the entire time you're inviting us into your presence to know you, to take joy in you. God, thank you as New Testament believers that you have raised us up in the heavenlies to be seated with Christ. He is our hope. He is our strength, our song, our salvation. So Jesus, we fix our eyes on you. You started this faith. You're gonna finish this faith. We won't be shaken. We're inside of an unshakable kingdom. Father, you use everything to remind us that you're inviting us into your presence through the Son, Jesus. So we pray in that name, we believe in that name, and now we sing for that name. In Christ alone, amen.